Welcome back, guys. This is part two. If you didn't tune in to part one, you might want to go and check that out before listening to this podcast here. I'll be sharing my experience at Dame Phyllis Frost Centre, Maximum Security Women's Prison in Melbourne. In terms of how I was able to get myself through coming off a four and a half year binge of methamphetamine use, as well as other drugs, let's be honest, and also cigarettes that I had been addicted to since the age of 11, I just had to come into this mentality of acceptance. It didn't matter how much I kicked and screamed while I was sitting in that jail. Nothing was going to change the fact that I could not get my hands on fucking cigarettes and I could not get my hands on methamphetamine. Don't get me wrong, I didn't think and have a look around to see who I could hock my hole to to maybe get my hands on some. But hey, come on, let's be honest, guys. I'm in a fucking female prison with females everywhere. I was not top of the pops. (laughs) So I just had to come into this, like I said, this mentality that said, well, if I can't fucking do that, what can I do? Well, I can do exercise. I can do all this fucking boring shit. Um, And so I just started to do that. I started to get busy. I started to get out there. I started to go to the gym. I started to, you know, eat apples. Um, All these types of things. I just started to get myself busy because actually that was the only thing that I had control over. Every time I would go back to my housing unit... There was about three ladies and they were all, I would say, over 50. And they would all sit out on the steps of the housing unit. And they just never looked happy. They just honestly never looked happy. They'd sit there, they'd start talking. And because I didn't really want to get on with people my own age, just because I really didn't want to make many friends in there, I I really didn't want to know anybody. I just feel like I gravitated towards older women Because I just felt like they didn't have any fucking energy for drama. And that's the stage that I was at. So I would find myself, I'd go and sit on these steps and I'd say, hey, you know, I'd spark up a conversation with these three old women. Anyway, I remember saying to them one day, or I'd say it to them all the time, why don't you fellas come to the gym with me, eh? Come and have a, I'll teach you how to play badminton. And I remember their first reactions were like, oh, no. I can't be bothered playing badminton. I said, come on, come on, we'll just have one day, you know, give it a go. If you don't like it, sweet as. Fucking no sweet. You can sit here on the steps. You can come and sit back. The steps will still be here. All right then, Kiwi. We'll we'll, we'll give it a go tomorrow after work. Okay, sweet as. So anyway, I come back from work, whanau, and I take them over to the gym and we just stood in a circle and just whacked the shuttlecock over to each other. And while we did that, we were, you know, yarning away and laughing and talking and they were sharing things with me. One of the ladies, she actually, they had 10 kids, her and her partner. She was just in there for some fraud, You know, and she was like, oh, fucking hard times, you know, hard times call for desperate measures, but all goods. He's at home, he's looking after the kids, you know, rah, rah. And so, you know, I felt pretty honoured that they were sharing their journeys with me. When we finished that day, I said to them, how did you like that? They said, oh, Kiwi, that was awesome. 
I said, cool as, you know, good on you fellas for coming out and getting a little bit of exercise with me. The next day I finished work and I come walking back to the housing unit and who's standing on the steps in their gym outfits waiting for me? Those three old ladies. And they were like, come on, Kiwi, get in there and put your gym outfit on. Come on, we're going to play badminton. And I was like, oh, my God, I've got friends. (laughs) And they loved it. And so that became our norm. Uh, I'd finish work and us three would go to the gym and we'd play our badminton and they, you know, slowly got better and better. I remember we're walking back to our our units after we played badminton and the lady with the 10 kids, I wish I was still in contact with them, but the lady with the 10 kids, she says to me, Kiwi, you know what, I wanted to tell you something, you know what I'm going to do when I get out of jail? And I said, what? And she said, well, when I get out, I'm going to take my husband on a date. And I said, oh, you fellas going to go and have baby number 11? And she goes, oh, fuck off. She, she says, you know where I'm going to take him for a date? I said, where? She goes, I'm going to take him down to the rec club for a game of badminton. I'm like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and so that's what she was going to do. That When she got out, she was going to get a babysitter or the older kids would watch the younger kids and take her husband down to the rec club for a game of badminton. And I just thought, oh, my God, that is so fucking cool. Anyway, so that was one Another day, I was so moved by this, um, and I still am today when I reflect on it. We had finished playing badminton, and one of the other ladies came up to me, and she, we've got to run because we're late, because we were too busy fucking having fun that we missed the first bell to get back to our cells. So we're running back, and she pulls out this piece of paper, and she says, Kiwi, I want you to read this when you go into your cell tonight. And I said, what is it? She goes, I wanted to tell you that uh, she was actually there waiting for her trial for the murder of her husband. And her husband had, uh, their house went on fire and she was there because they reckoned that she set that fucking house on fire. So she explained that to me and I'm like, oh, fucking hell, I'm so sorry. And she goes, no, I wasn't going to testify. I was just going to take it. And I said, oh, okay. And she said, but I wanted to tell you that you have changed my mind. My life is worth fighting for. And I am going to testify and I am going to tell the world that for the last 20 years of our fucking marriage, he has been violent towards me. He has been fucking abusing me every day. I've got proof left, right and centre and I'm finally ready to speak up. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? And what she had given me to take away to my cell and read was her letter that she is giving to her lawyer to get those proceedings started. And, oh, it's giving me goosebumps now. I was just so fucking honoured. Like, I had built this rapport with these ladies and out of pure just wanting their friendship and wanting to motivate them and and get them up instead of sitting on those fucking steps because time will just crawl if they say sitting on those steps. And that was the outcome inspiring them and motivating them to want to make life changes that was that just blew my fucking mind so those are just a couple of the stories that happened while I was in jail 
some of the things that I did to escape boredom. One thing in particular that I did, because in jail you get paid $3 a day just for being in jail. And then I think it's each week you get to go to the canteen and, you know, make purchases. I had, in seven days, accumulated, what is that, $21? Yeah, I, I literally had to do that on my hands. Shut up, don't you judge me. Anyways, I had accumulated that, and my diet had changed while I was in jail. I didn't want to spend any money on fizzies or chippies or chocolates, because actually one of those old ladies gave me a chocolate, just random. She said, here, Kiwi, here, now here's a piece of chocolate. And I fucking demolished it. And the next day I woke up and I had a major breakout. And I thought, okay, I am not eating any more chocolate again. And that was kind of the first moment for me that I realized, holy shit, what we do put in our bodies has a major effect on our skin and things like that. So I'm just going to throw it out there. For the last four years, I've been very, very you know, thing about my skin and stuff like that. But that's where it stemmed from. So I didn't want to spend my money on junk food. So what I did was I spent my canteen money on exercise books. And I would buy, I bought about six, between six and eight. And I bought a packet of pens and I bought some highlighters. And what I would do is I'd take those back to my cell and then I'd go to the library and I'd um, take out cookbooks. So I'd find a cookbook that had desserts. I'd find a cookbook for entrees and a cookbook for main meals. And then I would take them back to my cell. And when they locked my cell door at 7 p.m. And now I'm stuck in my cell until 7 a.m. I would sit there and have my jazz music playing. And my room would be lovely and cozy. And it's just me. I'd have my exercise book there and I'd name my first exercise book Entrees, second exercise book Main Meals, third one Desserts. Then I'd sift through these cookbooks and any recipes that I wanted to try when I got out of jail, I would categorise them into the right exercise book and I'd fully write out that whole recipe. And these are the things that I did to keep myself busy in my evenings so I would do that for the first hour till about eight o'clock I would then write letters to my partner who was in the other prison till about nine o'clock I would then have my shower and you know when I talk about me writing my jail experience lasted for a month and in that month I sent my partner in that other prison about 300 and something letters. So when I say that I was fucking writing letters, I was fucking writing letters. I was literally numbering the letters. And I wrote about 300 to 350 letters in a month to him over in that prison. So I would do that every night. That was a part of my routine. Then I'd have a shower and, you know, sexuality in prison. What does that even look like? Well, I remember whispering to one of the girls, do they sell electric toothbrushes at the canteen? Because my intentions were, I was going to obviously use the back of the electric toothbrush for a fucking vibrator. Because shit, I need to get off too. 
Anyways, I remember whispering that to this girl and she turns around to me and she laughed her fucking head off. I was like, what? And she goes, fuck, do you even know where you are? Shit, fuck a fucking electric toothbrush. You're surrounded by women that would love to. I'm like, oh my God, no way. No way. Oh, hell no. Okay, forget I asked, forget I asked. So anyway, what I would do... Because, oh my god, I was not starting anything with anyone in fucking jail. Fuck that. What I would do is I would literally stand under the shower and I would try to maneuver myself around so that the jets would hopefully smash down on my vagina. (laughs) Oh my god. Hey, this is real talk shit for your Wellness Wednesday. And so if you can imagine, it's like I'm I'm fucking doing a bit of a dance and I'm trying to I'm trying to let the jets whack me right in that spot. Anyway, it never worked, man. It never worked. So I'd end up having to, you know, strum the old guitar. But uh yeah, that's that's pretty much how I did it when I was in there. So, you know, a lot of people they would have started up a relationship with Sally Ann or Daisy or fucking Marianne or whatevs, but, uh, you know, I couldn't be fucked with that. So that's my little thing on uh, sexuality. Other things that I did while I was in jail to escape the boredom was I got myself involved in little kind of day classes that they had going. So I remember going to one that was um, teaching you about restoring relationships outside of jail and... um, reconnecting with family which I felt was a very important course that I should be taking part of because it was on my list of priorities when I got out of jail. Also I joined a class that did vision boards and although I felt like a fucking two-year-old sitting there cutting up magazines of you know where I wanted to be it killed the time and it curved my boredom so I was fucking living for it. I did another course that uh, where we like it was a computer course where we made little calendars and oh, I'm shit at technology but I'm a little bit more advanced than than making a little calendar in Word. But again, it, you know, it curved my boredom. Another one that I did was creating a CV. And this one I I needed to do because if I was going to give the outside world a brand new start, then I needed to be equipped with a CV to get a potential job in the future. So yeah, I would, any kind of course that uh, the, the officers or the guards had made me aware of, I was fucking there. If there was ever a, a badminton competition or anything like that, I was there. Otherwise, I was sitting in my cell writing out recipes, or I was writing letters, or I was taking these old ladies to get them a little bit of exercise and things like that. So I was pretty busy all the time. That and my job. I was pretty busy all the time. I had no time to sit around and dwell. I had no time you know, to kick the walls and and blame anyone for my actions that got me there. The other thing, if you know my story, then you know why I turned to drugs in the first place. And it was because I had a whole lot of trauma and a whole lot of undealt with grief that I was fucking hiding from. So being in that prison... 
and not having access to the blanket, the security blanket that I had hidden from for four and a half years, I had no fucking choice. I had to deal with my shit. I had to acknowledge the fact that what hurt me more than not having a pipe and that not having a fucking cigarette was the fact that my son wasn't on earth anymore. That hurt me more. So before I was dealing with coming off drugs and before I was dealing of of coming off cigarettes, I was actually dealing with having to acknowledge finally, once and for all, that my son has actually passed away and there is not a damn fucking thing I can do about it. So that for me was my number one priority and struggle at that time while I was in prison. And again, what I did to try to curve that was stay busy. That was an attempt for me not to have to sit there and dwell on everything that had happened and everything that had transpired since the passing of my son. And I'm talking about the loss of my other children, the loss of my husband, the loss of my connection with my family, the loss of trust, everything that had happened since he had passed away, that's what I had to deal with in jail. And I did that by just continuously staying busy. Anyways, it was about the 19th of December. Um, I had my court case and what had happened was they found there was a security camera out the front of that shop and they were able to zoom in to the person that was sitting on the motorbike and our skin colours were totally 100% different. I had tattoos on my arms and this person that was sitting on that motorbike had no tattoos on their arms. I got done for being on a stolen motorcycle and because I had already served uh, a month in jail, that was time served and so I was allowed to get out. And so that's how that went down. In saying that, what that month in jail did for me was it took me back to the Nicola I once was before the drugs. That Nicola always stayed busy. She always had a routine. She always had fucking structure. And me going to jail and creating that routine of waking up at six and doing this and that and and having these little rituals and then going and walking up to the letterbox in the morning, grabbing that fucking apple, going to my job, going to the gym and this and that, that was me getting back into routine and structure, something that I had lacked for the better half of four and a half years. And for that, I am truly humbled and thankful for my experience in jail because I have carried that on to four years later to where now I'm back in New Zealand, I have full custody of my children, I've got my business and I'm fucking pumping. And it all started back at Dame Phyllis Frost Centre, where I took full opportunity of this experience that life had thrown at me. I want to say thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. I hope to see you next week for Wellness Fucking Wednesday with Nick's.